everyone. Welcome to Third Spacing, the podcast, where we explore important issues on the peripheries of clinical medicine in Singapore. I'm your host, Manisha. In collaboration with Chien from The Weird and Wild, we interview Victoria Haldane, co-president and co-founder of Emerging Leaders for Environmental Sustainability in Healthcare, otherwise known as ELASH. Victoria is also involved with Planetary Health Alliance, and we explore how both these organisations promote planetary health and its crucial connection to human health. We discuss how conversations can be initiated for planetary health advocacy and roles students and clinicians can play in improving planetary health. Tell us a bit about yourself. So my name is Victoria and I'm a co-president and co-founder of a group called Emerging Leaders for Environmental Sustainability in Healthcare, but that's a really long name, so we just call ourselves ELESH. And I'm also a fourth-year PhD candidate at the University of Toronto. What got you started in, in ELESH and also the work that you do and why has that been so important to you? So I first became interested or more aware of the climate crisis when I was 14 because I lived in an area that had a lot of wildfires and I think there was a really big wildfire in my hometown and it's when it kind of hit home for me that this isn't an issue that impacts our health. A lot of people had asthma attacks, a lot of people were sick from the smoke and it's an issue that's just accelerated. It wasn't a one-time thing. More and more there were these issues And then as I went through university, I studied environmental biology, and I learned more about the impacts and the interconnections between our health and the environment. And when I studied my public health degree, it became even more apparent. And just as I went through all of these different areas, it was in the background, this thing that really shapes our health and well-being. Obviously, we're so dependent on this planet for everything we love and enjoy and need to be healthy. So then when I was doing my PhD, I was in a program that really tells us that we're future health systems leaders. And it's very focused on you are the leaders of tomorrow. And I think it's something you may hear in medicine as well about, you know, you have responsibilities and you are leaders within the community. And one of the things I didn't really see spoken about was that, okay, we're going to be leaders, but we're leaders facing a health system in crisis. And one of the biggest crises that's impacting the health system is climate change. And you see it now, there's all these natural disasters, there's increasingly severe weather events, droughts, famine, all of this comes back. And I felt like it was this huge determinant of health that nobody was talking about. If the health system were a country, like the health sector, it would be the fifth largest emitter on the planet. And I thought, okay, so not only do we have to respond to this crisis, but we're fueling this crisis. And there has to be ways that the health system can be made more sustainable as well. And I met some friends in my program who felt really passionately about the issue as well. And we got going and have now created a network. The more we talked about it, the more we realized other people felt the same and were feeling the similar anxiety around the climate crisis and its impact in the health sector. And also wanting to bring our personal views on sustainability, because I think a lot of us do it in our personal lives like we're we're passionate we're environmentalists and it was like how do I bring this into the professional zone like I use my reusable bag and I have my metal straw and I'm like talking about this all the time but how do I bring it even more into this career that I'm supposed to be building for myself so I think that's how I got into this and how we started Elish. I first came into contact with you and your work because you were talking about planetary health 
alliance to some students at, at NUS. Tell us more about this alliance and also what in the world is Planetary Health? So the Planetary Health Alliance is a really great organization that brings together like-minded people who are really passionate about making the world better for people and the planet and keeping people healthy and the planet healthy. I got involved with the Planetary Health Alliance two years ago or so. I just stumbled across there was this Planetary Health Alliance Campus Ambassador Program, which is a really amazing program that puts you into contact with students from across the globe who are interested in planetary health and you can learn from each other and build on other initiatives that people are doing. So I got involved with that, which was really fun. And for me, planetary health is such an important on-road to talking about environmental sustainability and health systems. For me, when I'm talking to different groups, it's trying to find that on-ramp to how they can see themselves thinking about this issue. Planetary health, basically the health of humans, the health of the planet, taking a less anthropocentric view. So not looking as human health above all, looking as human health as dependent on environmental health and looking at all of the different factors that will shape that and making sure that we're protecting the biosphere in what we do. And that's how I approach it when I'm thinking about it. So often in public health spaces, it's easier to talk about planetary health because you know, you're know you not so involved in the health system, which is a very different kind of animal to think through. There's a lot more of technicalities, a lot more of inputs and outputs, whereas population health is a bit different. So I find that's an easier on rope. But even when we do introductions to environmental sustainability and healthcare, we always start off talking about planetary health. Because to me, that's kind of the why behind all of it. Why do you care? Why is an environmentally sustainable health system important? Well, because we need healthy people on a healthy planet and we need to do what we can to promote the health of the planet while we're providing high quality, safe, effective health care. You can't have one without the other is how we're trying to approach it. Planetary health is something that hasn't really been talked about. It's not a concept that I hear about even in environmental spaces. How about you, Manisha? Yeah, honestly, so everyone talks about the environment and keeping it sustainable, like sustainability is the buzzword. Planetary health sounds like it encompasses so much more. It's quite a novel term to use. How do we get people to take a step back and look at the fact that to keep progressing, we need a healthy planet? I think, at least from my perspective, whenever we're thinking about the climate crisis and we're thinking about our individual actions that we can do, a lot of it comes back to conversations and affecting systems change in the spaces where we are. At least for our group in Elish, a lot of us are going into professional spaces or going into work environments where we are considered to be leaders in the space. Thinking of your role as a leader and thinking of how you can bring a lens that looks beyond the immediate demands, because in healthcare, we do have a lot of very pressing, important competing demands. But considering those demands, providing safe and high quality care, but then expanding the lens to consider the environment and the things that you're doing is important. So I think it all really comes down at this point to starting conversations, which sounds really small, but it can lead to bigger changes. So for example, at Elish, 
we started a conversation with one of the main funding bodies. And we started a conversation with our funders, which is the Canadian Institute of Institutes of Health Research. And we're the Institute of Health Services and Policy Research. So we started a conversation with them. And through that conversation, we started working more closely with them. And now environmental sustainability and the environment in general is a part of their strategic plan. And affecting changes at these higher levels often just starts with a dedicated conversation about something you're passionate about laid out in a very clear way. To my mind, having these conversations with people who have a bit more agency to affect change is how we can start to get this on the roadmap. Because I think the only way the big changes will happen is if we all start to have common goals that we work towards. And it sounds so silly to be like, we need to start talking about this. We need to normalize talking about this. But I think the less fringe it becomes, the more normalized it becomes that, you know, this is a part of our curriculum. This is a part of our funding considerations. Because, for example, in research in Canada, when you do any sort of funding application, you have to think about sex and gender. And so you have to say, how did you think through how this intervention or how this research could be different or could be modulated by sex and gender? And for us at Elish, we're like, that's amazing. Let's do it now for the environment. What is the environmental impact of this? How could you think through this through a planetary health lens? And I think by doing that and by having those conversations, getting this onto our training, like Elish is huge about bringing this into our curriculum, training future leaders to be able to have these conversations. That's how you start to push the dial a little bit. And even if it doesn't start to your point about taking things away from like people focus to environment focus. I think that's how you start to move the dial. The inroad to having these conversations may be the people focus. And I think that's okay, as long as you have the idea that this is the entry point to a larger and more transformative change that may take some time, but you have to meet people where they are when you're having these conversations about climate. It feels like we have this impending doom, and I'm just wondering if we are spending too much time trying to get a conversation going, what, what we actually need to do is trying to get some action going. Do we have the time? No, I don't think so. I definitely share your sense of time is running out. And I think there's multiple roads to action and advocacy. And it comes down also to your individual choice and how you want to be active in these spaces. And I know there are lots of groups that are more action focused. And I think for our group and the space we're in, we are still at that conversation stage. And at least I think Elish, to us, that's our road to action. It's a large leap to go from nobody talking about it to now it's in strategic planning or nobody talking about it to, for example, in our school, we have a whole course on environmentally sustainable health systems. I think that's also it. So there's a little bit of personal comfort and how far you want your action to go. Different avenues for you to be vocal about your beliefs or the causes that you want to have action on. And I think that's also part of people kind of finding their identity in this space is taking that feeling of we don't have time and transforming it into action where you are and action that you can latch onto. And I think at Elish, that's our biggest thing is we all feel that climate anxiety. We all feel that sense that time is running out, but we also all have degrees to finish and jobs to get. And it's how can we bring those two together? Because we don't think you should abandon one for the other. You should be able to integrate it. And I think it's hard like for our generation. And I think that's the difficult place that we're at. It's hard to see these avenues for big systemic change. You feel like it's not enough, 
But I think in some ways it is, it's a place to start. And once there's enough of us all on the same page, a lot of things can happen quite quickly, which is what we found with Elush. Like it went from nobody talking about this in our field. Now it's really normalized. People are used to seeing us places. People are used to us pushing and pushing our programs and bringing people on the way. And the other thing I wanted to talk about kind of in line with this is the idea of us teaching upwards. A lot of the time when you're a student, you have this idea that you're receiving knowledge. And in this climate space, especially in healthcare, the people who are older than you don't know about this subject very well. They don't have the time to learn about it and become experts and then teach you. So we really have to co-design this. And I think that's where a lot of the action and the I'm doing something sense comes from is when you are the one who are saying, this isn't in my curriculum. This is super important. Going to faculty, going to department heads and saying, this is my space in the world. Let's get this going so that everyone who comes after me, this is in their curriculum. And I think there's a lot of power in that space of transforming the spaces you're in that have these ripple on effects that are bigger than you might think they are. It's kind of different though, because a lot of the times faculty are used to teaching you and to go to faculty and say, hey, we're going to co-design a new thing. And, you know, you're not so much the expert, but we'll figure it out together is a little bit radical sometimes. But there are faculty who are open to it. We have some champions in our school who said, of course, we should be learning about this. Let's figure it out. Let's make a course together. Let's get it going. How did you folks, you know, recruit people for a course like this? Because medical students being medical students, I would assume that people are already so bugged down by academic. So how did you manage to get people involved in pushing for planetary health? Medical students never cease to amaze me. They are superstars in every sense of the word. We just existed and medical students were super interested in the way we started was we held a big case challenge. I don't know if there's a much of a case challenge culture in Singapore, but in Canada, a lot of people really love to do these case challenges. So we partnered with a local hospital. They're like leaders in greening healthcare. They're amazing. So we partnered with them, faculty. We brought in some other people who were interested. And then, yeah, we held this massive case challenge for students across our school. And the way we did it was we held two workshops before the case challenge that were like an introduction to planetary health and then communicating. And we had amazing turnout. We, the University of Toronto has three campuses and we had people from across all campuses. It's been really interesting. Every time we hold an event or we start engaging online, people seem to pop out of the woodwork and go, this is something I really care about. And we're very lucky here in Canada that we do have the Canadian Federation for Medical Students. They already had kind of this culture of, okay, we talk about environmental sustainability, we talk about planetary health, we talk about the climate crisis. So I feel like people were a little bit primed, but that's from the medical side. From other students, all of the disciplines that make up the health system, because everything we do at Elush is interdisciplinary, because the health system isn't just doctors, it's everyone that makes the health system go round, you know? So we've had a lot of interest from people who weren't primed, and still we had tons of people show interest. So I've been really impressed with that. And the other thing I think that kind of got people interested, it serves two purposes, is we write a lot. We do a lot of academic writing about what we're doing. So I think for some people who maybe have specific goals that incentivizes them, but for us, it also 
builds a body of literature around what we're doing, just because a lot of us work in the research space. So if you want to kind of legitimize things sometimes in the research space, it's good to have citations you can pull from. And we've gotten people interested in us through seeing those works. In terms of talking a lot about these issues, I think public health practitioners tend to talk about it more than like doctors who work in clinics. So then how do that half of the people in the medical profession get involved in climate and related conversations? I mean, I'm not a clinician, so everything I'm speaking about is very much just my knowledge of working with clinicians and having clinicians on ELESH. But from what I see, a lot of my friends who are clinicians or people I know in this space, the on-ramp for them in many ways is one of two things that are interrelated. So the first is the mandate to do no harm. So they extend that further and that becomes kind of a mantle flag they carry to get involved in this area. And that's their why. And the other thing I see is that the sheer amount of waste generated in providing clinical care often drives a lot of people to, this is where the waste reduction side and the very environmentally sustainable health system side comes. How do we reduce packaging? How do we make processes better so we're not having as much wastage? So there's kind of this waste and very facilities-based. I hear a lot of nurses say, I was throwing aside so many packaging, or if they had really strict infection prevention and control requirements, in some, if you put kits into a patient room that had isolation like qualifications for something, they would have to like throw all of that out when the patient left because you couldn't take kits out of the room that had been in an isolation room. And so a lot of people come into this conversation by within their own ward, like very, very practice-based within my own ward, I hate seeing all of this waste or within my own clinical practice and it, like a private GP, I hate all of this waste. And how can I still provide high quality care to my patients without wasting so much stuff? And so there's a lot of people that start with that conversation. And there's a whole thing here around greening your medical office especially if you're providing care in a hospital, you could get involved with your hospital green team. Then you start to see these groups of action forming within hospitals that kind of drive this conversation. To me, it's really interesting how it feels like wherever people are gathering and then they notice lots of waste or something that's bad for the environment, a group will always seem to form that's like, no, we got to do something about it. And I find that really inspiring. Like, even if it's not this huge transformative systems change, to me, that's the seed of it. That's what's amazing to see. And I think it's creating this overall environment that nurtures that sort of action. So when we talk about consumerism and talk about waste generation, if we see it in other fields, for example, fashion, we can cut down on consumption and we can try to reduce the amount of waste we generate. But then when it comes to health, we have to use whatever resources we have. And even though it's going to be generating a lot of waste, at the end of the day, it's packed with the fact that it's a necessity and it's a human life that's at stake. So how do we then convince people involved in this field that something needs to be done about this? That's the biggest thing in healthcare is making sure that when you talk about environmental sustainability, it's high quality, low carbon care is a good way to put it across. And always making sure that you know in this that you are centering high quality healthcare. Because as you say, that is the point. That being said, there's a lot of adjustments and adaptations that can be made within healthcare to make it more environmentally sustainable. So for example, anesthesiology. We need anesthesia to provide safe, comfortable surgery. But there's different types of anesthetic gases you can use, and they are 
on a spectrum of terrible to better for the environment. So desflurane is a very heavy gas. It stays in the troposphere for a long time. It's not very good for the environment. Then there's sevaflurane, which is lighter gas, better. Clinically equivalent, you can make a switch. And that switch can either be a provider nudge. So some hospitals, they put a sticker on the anesthesia machines that has like desflurane has like this, it's got a picture of like a tree on fire looking really sad. And then the sevaflurane has the happy tree. And so that's a provider level nudge. When the clinician is making the choice of what to provide care, it's clinically equivalent. So you choose the one that's better for the environment or it can be made at a systems level. And some health systems or hospitals have stopped procuring desflurane entirely. So the choice is made for you. They've chosen the gas that's better for the environment. When it comes to medical products, what we've seen is a switch to plastics. And plastics for a lot of devices that used to be surgical steel or used to be sanitized in-house. And so it's the switch to plastics for things that don't need to be plastic that used to be able to be reused and, and sanitized. And this is where it gets into the importance of life cycle assessments in healthcare and seeing what is the total life cycle assessment of different procedures to then figure out which is the more environmentally sustainable and high quality. So there's a lot of work being done looking at what devices do we use. When you're doing surgery, there's these prepackaged kits and everything you need for the surgery is in a kit, right? But if you open one kit and you drop the scissors or the forceps, well, then you have to open an entirely new kit. You might not use anything else in that kit, but you have to throw away everything else. And that's a ton of wastage. So there's work going on into kit reformulation. Drug wastage is another thing, how drugs are delivered in hospitals, what size of vials are used, what's the drawdown on the vials. There's lots of areas for process improvements in healthcare that is partially provider decisions, but also this larger procurement decisions and how the things you use in healthcare are packaged and given to you and where they're from and how they're done. Actually, when it comes to bedside care delivery, there actually are a lot of high quality improvements that can be made. And there's a lot of work going done to figure out how do we reduce it. And even things about like laundering and the linens that are used. And there's all of these kind of micro things going on in hospitals that there's opportunities for people to get that first start. And often if providers start pushing back on certain areas of care that can be made greener, you can start to generate buy-in or evidence for systems level or greater change within a hospital, because it does come down to evidence. And a lot of the times it's looking at that triple bottom line of what's good for the finances, what's good for people in high quality care, and then what's good for the environment and kind of bringing those lenses into the conversation of we reduced wastage. It's also cheaper, you know, and patient safety, it's the same. It's clinically the same. Considering that here, the, the conversation hasn't really been started. Can we start our own chapter? If we do start a chapter with ELISH or Planetary Health Alliance, how does that collaboration work? How can people get started without having to figure it out on their own? If you have a group of people together who are interested in this area, you can reach out to ELESH. If it's med students, we can put you in touch with others from the Planetary Health Alliance. I mean, becoming a Planetary Health Alliance campus ambassador, you can apply every year is a great place just to plug you into a network that you can reach out and ask for help from. Um, we have like a PowerPoint template that's just here's planetary health, here's environmental sustainability, and like you can teach others about it. 
is a good place to start so that the burden isn't on you to do all of the background work. You can do it, but at least you know where to look. Because sometimes I think that's the biggest thing. There's so much research. There's so much going on. How do I put together this conversation just to tell people I care about this and this is why it's important? We have tools to help with those sort of initial conversations. And then I really think it's important to take time to figure out how to talk to the people that you need to get buy-in from and how to talk in a way that they'll listen, which is something we spent a, a bit of time with at Elish. So we took a multi-pronged approach where we started with some fun events. On the more administrative side, finding faculty champions, finding faculty members who are interested in this in some way, starting those little conversations, even if you have a lecture and it's about something that there's an environmental lens to it. Testing the waters of what profs or faculty members are interested in this because there's bound to be someone who's thought about it or is maybe a little bit keen. And like, that's what we did was like test people out, see how they're feeling, and then use that as an on-ramp to the greater conversation because they have buy-in within the faculty and you can start to do these things. The health system is going to be on the front lines of the climate crisis and we need to start where we are and just embed it in your practice, embed it in your identity, your professional identity. Super important and look for others to support you and lift you up if you do this.